Okay, we're on air. Sigs, let me count you in in five, four, three, two. Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jesse, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Scarborough, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Holo Holo Podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting from. We are podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River. Welcome to the season five premiere of the Hollow Hollow podcast coming here live here at the Factory Theater. We've got the audience here. is palpable. These people have just seen the performance of The Waltz. <laughs> and, in, and in lieu, we have the, we like to welcome these special guests, the writer and director Mary Beth Badian and Nina Lee Aquino this evening. <laughs> now, before we get into today's live stream podcast and season five premiere, we usually like to ask all our ga- guests, rather. Our to, gays. Our, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody, uh, everyone. This is everyone. usually all edited inclusive. out. We're all <laughs> inclusive, you know. We like, this is an inclusive space, right? So we like to ask all our guests to locate and situate themselves. So where were you born? Where do you live today? And how'd you get here? Who would like to start? <laughs> MB. MB starts. My, tra- my travels are very... Lots of travel. Yes. I was born yes. in Scarborough. Scarborough. Ontario, Canada. Toronto Gen, Scarborough Grace. Excuse me, sorry. Centenary. Oh, Centenary. Scarborough Centenary. Ellesmere yes. and Morningside. Yes, I know that place well. Yes. <laughs> and then I traveled very far to be raised in Scarborough, Ontario. <laughs> I can tell. Canada. Yes. Then I traveled further to Toronto, <gasps> where I currently live. Right. But it's all in the dish with one spoon territory. All of it. I All took the it. 504 streetcar <laughs> short turning at Bathurst Ooh, to get here today. Quite a diversion, I can see. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Excellent. Well, at least we knew how you got here now, yeah. right? On the 504. Life story. Life story. Yeah. It is quite tra- traveling on the 504. <laughs> the 504 is, a, is an interesting streetcar versus the 501, I might add. Yes, it was a choice. I can imagine. 504. It sounds like a great choice, I might add, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent choice. Yeah, Nina. Nina? <laughs> Hello. I I was born in San Juan, Metro Manila. I uh, grew up in Houston, Texas, so I Ooh. am a Filipino cowboy. Um, uh, but also, like MB, just traveled lots in between um as a daughter i traveled lots in between yeah like lots in between uh, like a daughter of a diplomat so i am a diplobrat um uh i just moved to the unceded unsurrendered algonquin territory of ottawa o-town o-town yeah. big o uh, i live in old ottawa east because that's where it's at I, I don't know where you south. Live, but already judgment. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> you got schooled there, Sage. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to season five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my name is Nina. Um, yeah, so so yeah, I'm currently living there. How I got here, um, I have to say, it's uh, through my Uber. 
my husband uh, mm-hmm. driver. <laughs> it's my Uber <laughs> currently. That's how I that. get around because I don't really like walking and um, I'm too bougie for the subway. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's okay to be a champagne socialist. That's all I got to say, right? Well, so, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, I'll take the champagne. <laughs> I, so will I. So will I, especially after the show. I don't know how I'm going to shotgun. Yes, I learned that lesson too. Yeah. I just, we just have to say, we just finished seeing the waltz. Uh, Sigs and I were, as we were coming on stage, we were like, oh my gosh, we're gushy. Like, we're really gushy. Mickey leg. Like, I have like chills. Like, I had chills watching it, right? I love a good rom com. This was a fantastic rom com. Hey, man, like JLo says, you gave me the goosies. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It was great. Yeah, it was totally so great. Good. It was totally great. I think before we kind of get into it, like I'm wondering if one of you could just give us a brief synopsis for our audience listeners you at home, one minute, right? <laughs> as to what the waltz is all about. Pop quiz. I, I heard um, <laughs> that it is a coming of age romantic story of um, two second gen teenagers who meet uh, under the Saskatchewan sky and mm. learn that they have more in common than they think. Um, and we spend one sunset with them in the summer of 1993. Mm. Is that fair? Does that That's work? That's good. That works? That's okay. really... I wish oh. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Tara, wrong movie. <laughs> oh, what a, what a wonderful play. We have to say what a wonderful play. And like... The question that we have for both of you, right? And then we'll also kind of answer this yeah. alongside both of you what as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've answered that question. As we step into what we're calling the prairie verse, it seems the waltz is a love letter. So to whom is it addressed to? Um, it, it's addressed to a few things and places. So uh, I would say that it is a love letter um, to Scarborough, mm. um, Scarborough, Ontario. It's Lots a- of Scarborough <laughs> people here in the house, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes. Um, it, it's a love letter to to the idea of uh, home, um, particularly about leaving home for the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a love letter to the Saskatchewan sky. Um, and I think at its core, it's a love letter to all of the children of the first wave of immigration. Wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, funnily enough, I mean, for me as a director, this was kind of that perfect piece where um, MB and, uh, and I and our shared love of the trashiest, sappiest, and greatest um, love stories, particularly in film, like, no wonder, like, it's just, it's culminated now in, in uh, all of all of that stuff that, you know, we, we love about these um rom-coms and romantic movies has culminated in this very show like I'm like I used every single thing <laughs> that I had and and put all the easter eggs in this show so my love of that genre of cinema I think is 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 there but I I have to say like you know if there was a play that I ever had um my 15 year old daughter uh, at the very forefront it was this play it was like, this play yeah it, it was a a really personal love letter to her and her growing up right um like in that world yeah you know and so i was telling mb in some other interview the other day that um it, i hope the moms and the dads and the titos and the titas that watch the show you know afterwards when they go home you know pick up the phone or email their you know young adult or yeah. teenager who's yeah. somewhere in university and kind of go 
how are you? Kumusta na? Like, how are yeah. you? Like, you know, it's kind of one thing. So I really saw it from um, a parental perspective. Yeah. This time, so. I, I just have to say, I can totally relate to that parental perspective because I so related to RJ because I also decided to go to school outside of the GTA, right? Mm -hmm. I, I ended up at Western, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and like, nap yes, yeah, yes. Western. But I have to also say, as I love Western, it'll always be my alma mater, but I was navigating a lot of white spaces and feeling really really outside of my element mm -hmm. in some ways. And I just recognize that, you know, my parents don't know what it was like to send a kid away to university. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking into Soggy Maitland Hall <laughs> and I walked by the mail uh, desk and Louise, the mail clerk, said, Jez, come over here. And you have to recall that this was probably during reading break, which is right about now, ironically enough. Mm -hmm. And all of these, um, all of my friends and residents were getting care packages. And it's like, what Filipino parent knows to give a care package, right? Mm -hmm. And as I kind of tell you about this, I kind of feel a little weepy, right? So mm -hmm. that's why I love what you're saying, that this is a love letter yeah. to kids, yeah. you, to, to parents and their kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. That I went over to Louise and Louise says, you got a care package from my mom, mm. right? And it's like, my mom's like, no nonsense about that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So I... I opened it up and I just cried because it was like, how did she know? And I felt included. And I didn't feel out of, out of place all of a sudden, mm -hmm. right, at, mm -hmm. at this place. And mm -hmm. so in some ways for, for me, it was a love letter for kind of finding commonality mm -hmm. or, or mm -hmm. finding inclusion mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Well, I mean, there's, there, I have worked on several kind of Filipino-Canadian plays before. I mean, this isn't my, the first one, but I think this is the first one for me where, A, it's two young, very smart people. And then I realize, I'm like, they're talking about their parents. Yeah. Like, through, by talking about themselves and they're revealing, like, family, moms, dads are like, it's just a part of our, you know, whether they get along with them or not, like, it's just a part of our Or psyche. what they thought about it. Exactly. Nina, it was yeah, so poignant yeah. to kind of hear the stories of RJ and Bia, mm -hmm. you know, com coming out and then recounting their parents' immigration story. Absolutely. And yeah. how wonderful and yet difficult and yet a clever way of being able to talk about an immigration story, but from a different lens mm -hmm. instead of the traditional stories that we've heard about mm -hmm. immigration to, to Canada from yeah. the Philippines, right? Yeah. In some ways. For, for me, the, the other part of the love letter that I went, you know, watching was just seeing worlds collide. <laughs> like I just absolutely love seeing worlds collide, whether it was like R&B and alternative music. And to me, that was, that's what makes a great romantic, like that is yes. my kind of romantic kind of setup. Right? Why Bridgerton 2 <laughs> is better than one? Um, what, like, you know, cutting edge, like all of those kind of, you know, boy meets girl, but it's not love at first sight. Yes, it's actually yes. like sometimes hate at first sight. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's like, you know, so that is totally up my, like, that's my jam. I to so. <laughs> I'm totally there. I think we need to bring Nina on for like another yeah. like podcast episode. Rom com jam. Yeah, rom cam jam. 2023. And, like, that's right. And what I was thinking to myself, like, I always think a rom-com and a love story is about will love overcome in-laws, like in Romeo and Juliet, right? Clearly it doesn't, right? But in this one, it was like, will rom, like, will love overcome worlds colliding? And I just, I love the thesis of this play. I, MB, I love that thesis that, you know, worlds colliding in different places. Like, I feel like I, it spoke to me that way. I don't know if that you had that in mind or not. 
I think I think what was I, I was just like craving us on stage falling in love. Mm, I, yes. I, I, like uh, what we've we've all at separate occasions had conversations about all of like the great love stories in film and books and theater and television that we just adore and we deep dive in it. And I I just wanted that for us. Um, and like the the I wanted I wanted it also to be about these stories that they tell when they're like cut. They're, they're still teenagers. They don't know yet the impact that, like I don't even think that they know while they're telling the stories of, of their difficulty growing up. I don't know if they know the word that it's trauma, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I wanted to frame it as like these um, gestures of intimacy that they would just like give each other. Like they're, when they say it to each other, they're asking each other to see each other. Like that's, that's kind of where I went to put it. Like, I didn't want to put these stories anymore in a place where it was like, look at my sad life. I didn't want yeah. that anymore. Yeah. I wanted it to be like, look at me. Here's how I show up. And then these two people who we think are strangers, who they think are strangers, actually see each other themselves reflected for the first time. Like, that was really beautiful. kind of excited. Beautiful. I saw that. I, I, think, I believe I saw that. Six, what, do you, what did you think? I honestly, the waltz was a they're, ex like, they're echoing all the things we say. And, you know, we're from that generation, we're Generation X at this table, I'm gathering. Yeah. yeah. I, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Generation X at this table. And it just spoke to did me, you know, pass? it's a coming, did we pass it? But the coming of age was great. And I could identify from both sides from Bea and RJ. And I loved it. You can identify it. And then with the lens of the parents, they're telling their parents' story, they're telling their immigration story. And, you know, little do they know all these tropes and romance they're telling from their, you know, their past is coming to the, like, the present. So we'll pivot. Okay. And on the point of these tropes, rom-coms, what are your favorite rom-coms? And your epic love yes. stories. You've already started. Yeah. Let's hear. Let's get yeah, into yeah, the yeah. juice. Let's talk about so, it. Go ahead, like, MB. I embedded them in the play. Yes. yes. Uh, if we're going to start like soups early, I would say like my very first introduction, like when I knew it was like, oh my God. I'm 11 and I feel things, um, <laughs> was uh, the Anne and Green Gables series on yes. CBC in 1986. Yes, And yes, then yes. more so the sequel. So oh, it was like, yes. for, like, this is a generation where it was like, for me, it was like, oh my God, what's happening? Um, and then I read the books and then I read the books. I'm like, oh, the books are better. But like also like Gilbert Blythe, hi. Like, yes, hi. yes. Go, dreamy. Dreamy. And, um, like, yes, yes, yes. It made me want to go to. Right? Uh, yes, like, totally. Let's all go to PEI. Yeah, let's like, totally. I'll, they, I'm going right there right now with you. Let's go there. Okay. I am. Um, so that was first. And then um, the 1995 BBC adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. Yes. With Colin Firth as Mr. I, Darcy. I, I, yes. I, was, I was waiting for that. When right? we saw her, with the, when we see Bia with the novel at the beginning, like, I'm like, she's really oh, Pride got, and Prejudice. Was I that? got this text message from, the, from them last week. They're like, yeah. we need... We need to like have Bea on stage, and I think and Nina's like she should be reading a book. What book should she be reading? And I'm like a dog-eared copy of Pride and Prejudice. Like <laughs> what was I doing at the beginning? That's exactly what was I doing at the beginning? He was reconning, and he was like he took his <laughs> I took a pic, phone, phone up and then started to and it said she's reading Pride and Prejudice, and I'm like of course <laughs> yes. she is, right? Nothing like an Easter egg, Mr. Darcy. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. um, so there's those, and then. Um, like I, I joke around that it's my Star Wars, but like the before, before trilogy, the Richard Linklater, mm. the Ethan Hawke oh. play. So, but definitely hardcore into before, before Sunrise. So that's mm. their, yes, yes, their yes. early one. Oh. Um, we don't talk about the last one. It's too, it's too real. <laughs> it's too much. Um, <laughs> Way too real. And then in like 
TV land. Oh. Um, my so-called life. Oh, yes. The Angela Chase, Jordan Catalano. Yes. Um, yes. Before Jared Leto got gross. Before Claire Danes hated the Philippines. Yes. <laughs> all this, all this. That's right. Um, and then more recently, I would yeah. say Heartstopper. Oh. That's on my list, too. Yes. And Never Have I Ever. And uh, To All the Boys, but only the first movie. Like, the others are stupid. Yes. But, yeah. 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 So those are my those are my epic love stories. Oh, God. I made a list. Nina. <laughs> No pressure. Too too much. Um, uh, As a director, there's always a film, um, a film influence that is uh, attached to all of the shows that I've directed. And my daughter keeps tabs of this. So Eponine, for this one, um, uh, Love and Basketball. Is is oh, the major? So good. I yes, hear from yes, the crowd. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Deep cut. Yeah, love and basketball. Thin. Absolutely, is the movie that I I uh, I tend to watch over and over again, and then it just seeps into whatever, however I see the play. So whether it's the rhythm, whether yeah. you know, and some people who pick up on that, I'm like, oh yeah, and sometimes the color palette um, is very much um, influenced by that. By that movie, uh, but the favorites are, uh, funnily enough, I love uh, the Pride and Prejudice, Kira Knightley fight version. <laughs> no, that's, that's, fight me. Nope, nope, no. Don't care for <laughs> the we- BBC one, but I'm the Kira Knightley one. Um, wow, wow, this yeah. tension. Fight. Yeah, I, I, yeah. No, uh, I will say. <laughs> Okay, I was like this. cutting edge again, uh-huh. uh, you know, again, the love hate um, relationship. I, I, love I, that. I really tend to gravitate towards those. So something like some kind of wonderful was a very. Oh, yes. 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 Yeah. Right? Yes. Like, and then in the end, it's like, you know, the, the, the guy realizes, like, oh my God, I bought these earrings. Oh, yeah. Anyways, anyways. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Elvis cover at the end. Oh, so yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, Notting Hill. Oh, oh yes. Again, it's like the two worlds colliding. It kind really of deal, is. Yeah. And I, I just love the unexpected. Uh, you know, those those are kind of like my yeah my 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 jams kind of deal. But I will say, production wise, there are Easter eggs there too. So I'm glad you picked up on Pride and Prejudice. But a lot of our production decisions were based off of a lot of you know iconic. Um, cinematic uh, love stories. So if you notice the floor, yeah. for example, that mm. like with the circle and an X, it's a very simplified version of the Sound of Music floor where the Lendler between Von Trapp and mm. Maria mm-hmm. danced. So we copied that pattern. Wow. So I know, genius. only like real, you That's know. so genius. Uh, costume pieces, for example. I mean, you know, uh, you have... And a Nirvana shirt, but I really wanted to pick up on uh, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, which right. is another influence, oh. right. you know. And so uh, that's why there's a cut off of cut out of a uh, angel wings. angel wings because Claire Danes. Uh, and if you see Jr.'s um, uh, Eddie Bauer shirt, there's yes. a cross. the cross like on the yeah, the and then the chain link. Pocket. Yes, yes. And then the the handkerchief is a Hawaiian print off of Leo's uh, Romeo shirt. I don't know. This is so there's some other. Are we, yeah, are we bleeding from the deep Exploding. It is exploding, and now I need to go see it again. Yeah, right? that's why. Go see it again, and then you'll pick. There's more, actually. So it was really a great way for us to. It was just the devil's in the details. So you just, you know, yeah. So I love that. Yeah. I love that. To, you know, to think about how to 
take the best elements and then infuse it into the waltz. Mm-hmm. And still the waltz stands on its own, but yeah. is nodding, is nodding yeah. to all of its predecessors. I right? mean, if MCU can do it. <laughs> I know. Then we can do it in the Perryverse is what <laughs> exactly, you're saying? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Perryverse. I think the studio I think the studio audience here has, has made their voice be known MV, right? So yeah. no pressure, no pressure, of Not course, right? So we'll take the pressure off of you. I was thinking to myself, Go oh my goodness, like, you know, in terms of rom coms and stuff like that, I do love pretty in pink. Like I just love pretty in pink. I can't get over the uh, just the love story there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and same thing, kind of like different worlds kind of coming yeah. together. But I I can't get off the dinnertime uh, eat hour of Heartstopper. So like seriously, so my partner Michael and I sit down for dinner and watch every episode of Heartstopper. So I love it. I love it. And I think, you know, when I watched it the first time, the first thing I texted was, the first person I texted was you saying, oh my God, like I love this show I, in so many different wonderful ways and how it's unexpected and again like different worlds colliding like. but like the, also an evolution of the rom-com right like, yeah. Oh, yeah like i don't think like even you know i i'm so happy that that exists and my kid gets to see that yeah you know and i and i just think to myself that uh you know, I know that it took forever and a while and a bit to ever see a gay love story, mm-hmm. right? And to so see something like Heartstopper just touched me, right, in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And you talked earlier about the waltz, that there was this craving to want to see your reflection. I, I saw my, I certainly saw my reflection in the waltz, but I certainly also, like, love seeing it in Heartstopper in mm-hmm. some ways. And so, mm-hmm. um, and I think in terms of, like, uh, one other love story... <laughs> It's so cheesy, right? But it's in the early 90s, is uh, Pretty Woman. Like, <laughs> I love Pretty Woman. God, I can't like, believe it. Yo, that was an all-day booze, that song, well, yes, remember? that's right. Yeah. It was. No, everybody played that stupid song. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, great song. Great song. And and again, like, world's colliding. So I think that that's, you can kind of mm. see what, mm-hmm. what draws me in in terms of love stories. Sigs, what about you? I, you guys are barreling down, and I agree with Boz Lerman, but watching this and the waltz, I think of 10 Things I Hate About You. Patrick Verona, Kat Stafford, yes. just fighting the, the banter. was fantastic. <laughs> the, banter. the banter back and forth, the love-hate. I, I love that. I eat that mm-hmm. type of stuff up. Mm-hmm. And then finally, just a, a little like Seattle nod singles. I was oh in God, love with Bridget oh, Fonda. Right. When I, I saw that, the, yeah, yeah, when I saw like the plaid and everything, I was like, oh, oh. I'm young again. <laughs> Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon with the long Bridget, hair. Yeah, Eddie Better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so those young people out there, singles, look up on IMDb, okay? It's good. <laughs> All right, just, just watch it. All right. But I, I think of that, and it just really sparked it. But all the colors and the tropes, it's, it's there. What makes up these epic love stories? What tugs at your heart? Like, what, what is it? that What, what makes it pop? Uh, um... I I think that we're in love with the idea of yearning, like yearning mm. and hoping and desire. Yeah, like yeah. just just the 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 ones that I really love. Like they're like we we talked about this ending because the ending is like I call it. Well, it's a Victorian ending. Like they they don't they don't smooch at the end. No, um, it, like it ends in a place of of hope and also longing and. And a place where you, we delight in the like. I don't know what happens next. 
I, I think that's part of what, what I love in a kind of epic love story. Hmm. I think for me, because I'm so attracted to the, the push and the, the tension and the chase. And so, uh, it is the acceptance of, like, the, normally it's either the man or the woman um, go through a transformation, right? And then all of a sudden, like, the, the real love happens when they are seeing each other for the first time. Mm. So it is that, the acceptance of, like, I love you. Like, in some kind of wonderful, right? Like, yeah. for the first mm -hmm. time. Like, you have you Watts. wearing my future. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, Watts has been trying to just, like, so in love with the dude. And the dude is just, like, you're my best friend. And yes, yes. Sound familiar husband. Um, and, uh, <laughs> like, you know, and I'm just, and, and she's just so, like, but, but, like, and not seeing it and and she's been there even when she he was in love with another girl <laughs> but in the end right like when when like he realizes like wait a second like you have been there all my life you're just right mm -hmm. and that's like again seeing that person for the first time like you've never seen them before and th mm -hmm. those are the kinds of stories i, I tend to gravitate yeah. I feel like they just defined the word kilig. I totally, totally. Yeah. Do you feel that? I totally felt that as you were describing that, Nina. For, I think for me, it's a romantic gesture, right? Like a, this grand romantic gesture. And I think that that's what kind of like totally pulls me in. Mm -hmm. and, so, and sometimes, sometimes it doesn't have to be huge and loud. Sometimes it could be very quiet and mm -hmm. soft. And I think when I was watching the waltz, that I saw, that's what I saw. Mm -hmm. There were two moments, but I think for me, just seeing kind of like the look, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then like the touch, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. it was just kind of mm -hmm. like, and then realizing, yeah. right, realizing yeah. what's happening. And that was like, like a risk. And I sometimes mm -hmm. think that that's what love is about. Like, isn't it a risk? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I just remember working through the ending. I probably went through about three and a half. And in the end, um, thank God, uh, you know, when I had people <laughs> voting, my team, we went back to the original ending, which, you know, it just kind of came to me when my brilliant, lovely choreographer, uh, Andrea Mapili, was, you know, finishing up, you know, the, the choreography of the Lendler, of the waltz. And I, I was just like, you know, because originally it was just going to be like, okay, the music stopped. It's okay. We have all night. And then they continue. And I just remember kind of like, again, going through my Rolodex of my favorite love stories, like in cinema, I'm like, you know, and then I secretly like put on like, and again, love and basketball, put on my phone, like, what do they do? <laughs> <laughs> like, so I got a little bit of everything. Wait, they do the yeah, exactly. Metaphor, <laughs> metaphor. And then that's it. And, I'm, and then I suddenly go, ah, I, I turned to Andrea, Andrea, can I just try something on you? Come on, let's go on set. So we actually, I, we had to demonstrate like, you know, and then I asked my stage management team, who was the only person, people there, and I'm like, is that romantic? It's like, what, are, what do you feel? Like, so we, yeah, so it, it's one of those, like, it was a great collaborative room, like, just thinking of that ending, which I was telling MB was like, I did not expect it to end that way. I didn't see mm -hmm. it. Like, mm -hmm. Normally when I direct, like, you know, you stumble upon these things, but this was a wonderful discovery because again, in the end, in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, like it's there. It's in the stage directions, how this play ends. But, but that added, you know, just that look and the pull away and when Junior pulled like everything. No spoilers, uh, no spoilers. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But yes. Uh, discovery. Uh, yeah. 
discovery like and i and i think that that's kind of what love is too like discovering discovering the authentic person that's in front of you you know discovering yeah. these little things yeah, yeah, yeah. discovering yeah. the tension and yeah. stuff like that just absolutely yeah so it. that to me that was my like i'll you know in in love and basketball they're like you know what are we playing for i'm like playing for your heart yeah that's it that's the move high stakes <laughs> There's got to be some risk, right? <laughs> you know, there's got to be some risk, you know. And I, to me, I think just that push and that pull and the tension and, like, I'm going to try to reach out and then I'm going to, you know, retract, like, withdraw just a little bit because I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought that it, you can see the tension kind of building throughout to then be so satisfied, mm -hmm. right, towards mm -hmm. the end mm -hmm. and think... Oh, look, mm -hmm. look, they're dancing, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Look, they're dancing. And they're dancing in silence with like to the crickets and this, the moon, like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And they just continue on. They continue. Yeah. They continue. And that's a beautiful, I, I, you know, way to think about this, you know, love and the waltz and dancing that it can constantly continue. I'm going to put on my R&B voice now. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought dance was like a vertical expression of <laughs> horizontal desire and uh i uh, that's what i felt it was a great way to end mm. you know i i think um you we were six was mentioning about singles right and that's a very definitive 90s movie and 90s love story and you both did a fantastic job from music to clothes to like all the direction and all of the writing really spoke about the 90s. Like I really felt like I time traveled and I kind of whispered to my sisters like, we're like back in 1990, right? And she just giggled alongside with me. And I, I think to myself, we're everyone here just as much as we're Gen Xers, we're also teenagers and children of the 1990s in a, love, uh, in a lot of ways. And, you know, coming back to the beginning, the waltz also seems like it's a love letter to the 90s. So. What we wanted to ask you is, what do you love most about the 90s? And what is the most singular quality or value or theme that defines that decade for you? Silence. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I, well, I want to say it in a way that, like, what was really important to me about, like, be, like I knew that it was going to be set in the 90s, but I wanted to show a kind of... I wanted to show our 90s. Mm. I, like, I feel like, yes, we can like put our finger on singles and all of those movies that were like really definitive and to us in that time. Yes. But the, the, like for me, I grew up in, in the 90s in Scarborough where I didn't know I was a visible minority. Right. Like, so there, like that vibe of this person coming in where we, when we meet them, we meet, we meet Romeo in a time where he's like leaving and learning he's an outsider. Yes. And him meeting a person who all her life has been an outsider. Right, right. And like that to me was like, when I think about the early 90s and what I wanted to express in it was like, really important for me to go like, there were, there were other things happening in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And that like musically that we're also like looking at it by going like, this is also a different way we consumed music. Like, like it, for us, like we're consuming music by like what our cool cousins were listening to versus like 
also what it was happening on much music and like for me and like my <laughs> high school this is the same for you i know I, it. Yes. it was like everybody was like mainstream r&b hip-hop and like yes. did you dare to like stone temple pilots like no. that's like something you kept on the download that's true and it was like my boyfriend at the time was like i like the chili peppers i'm like oh, to me like don't tell anybody don't, like, don't say anything say you can't anything. come out about that like, you can't, you can't no. sing don't, are you singing pearl jam right now like you can't no 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 so there's that part of it. Yeah. And then like how how the worlds are kind of opening up. Like if you ended up working at Scarborough Town Center, maybe you became friends with people who went to like another part of Scarborough and they're like, yeah, like I unabashedly am wearing this plaid shirt that I just got a 30% discount on. And at yeah, let's go, let's go to the Counting Crows concert. And I'm right. like, okay, weird. I think you're my people. Like, and looking for them and looking for them. Right? Well, I was just going to say, I think Siggy, you relate a lot to this idea oh, of actually exactly. being an outsider in some ways as opposed to you know on the opposite side of this spectrum or this experience and i'm only like an hour away i grew up in st Catharines, ontario and i was just the visible minority and their friends or people in toronto were like oh aren't you into r&b or like hip-hop which i was but meanwhile i was like no i'm gonna wear the stone temple pilot shirt or i'm gonna listen to cfny 102.1 yes. but quietly listen to wblk <laughs> um and loving it and not being embarrassed i heard you went to a boys to men concert so you me, yeah but uh, we're going to see sarah mclaughlin uh okay we're going to see sarah mclaughlin <laughs> yeah. it's, it's all good it's all good but it was just I was trying to find that balance in yeah. line, yeah, yeah. you know, of just doing it. And it's, I love that observation where he, what, he didn't know he was a visible minority. And then you had Bea who's like, no, dude, this is my life. We, we just stick out. Mm-hmm. No matter what. No matter what. No matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I love Sarah McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. I know. I saw I her know. twice in concert at the forum. Did you? <laughs> twice. Yeah. Most, they called her the princess of pain. <laughs> exactly. I mean, fumbling towards ecstasy. Fumbling towards ecstasy. I, I know when See, I'm I... I'm a Jan Arden girl. Are so. you? Oh, again. Can't call love Jan and Jan. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. There you, know? you go. But it's funny because <laughs> I, my, my 90s, I, that's why I'm having trouble because I, I wasn't here. Mm. I was in the Philippines, right? right? Oh, so, right. so 1993 in particular, I, I came to Canada July of 1994. Mm. So 1993, senior year in my high school, because I, you know, the Asian, like at least Philippine education system is very different. So 1993 was my senior year in my high school, all girls Catholic school. Mm. Um, but I already had a thriving theater career already then too. But in terms of school and what I remember, like, uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's not the much music or what it, it was kind of the American TV shows that came through, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I was always in a school uniform, so like like in terms of fashion, I have really no barometer of what the until I came here to Canada in 1994, to which Jen Arden, Lion King, like mm. those were like <laughs> what I remember, you know. But but 1993 for me, I think it was. It was the the brink of a of a change because I think that was the year that my mother had told me like yeah we're moving like right, right when I graduated high right. school it's like yeah you know you're not going to university here you're, you're we're moving to Canada wow. so wow. that's you know for me what and then coming here remembering like I'm going to the bay you know, <laughs> and I'm going to buy Levi's jeans like you know it's so funny like you not know not Jordache yeah. Levi's, <laughs> Levi's my Levi's for Pupunta. the first time. because I mean. I, Again, school uniforms or whatever, and not that I didn't have normal clothes, but like in terms of my teenage stuff, that that was the, the the driving force, right? So here, and to to be able to go to a high school here for the first time, mm. co-ed, I just remember having a crush on every single boy that came by me, and I'm just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I like your Levi's. 
realize where she got them. And like, oh my God, I felt like I was like a 90210. Like I was just like, oh, my dreams come true. Like the, the locker, like finally, we don't have lockers in the Philippines. They're yes. like tiny little, but like the big, it's really real. Like I'm like, I was doing this, like like these are the 90210 lockers. So very different, different perspective of, you know, like in the 90s for me, it was like a rediscovering of what it's like to be a North American teenager that I only saw in, again, movies or TV shows right. in the Philippines. Yeah. Right. You know, yes, you, Membi, you and I grew up in Scarborough listening to a lot of R&B. And, and for me, I ended up listening to a lot more pop music in, in the end. And in the 90s, I ended up in Peterborough, Ontario. So this was like my second degree at this point, right? And <laughs> And I was interesting facts. <laughs> interesting facts, right? Smart boy. Facts. Smart boy. Yes. Smart boy. Hence, I'm schooled all over this province, right? But I was, I, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I was in the middle of Peterborough, Ontario, and it was, it truly was a different world. Like, it was like all alternative music. It was like I was the only gap-wearing kid walking across. <laughs> the fire on the bridge. Levi's, it's the gap. Yeah, okay. the gap. Yeah. Right. And so <laughs> gap. Right. So let's go to the gap. It's family and friends day. <laughs> family and friends day. I've got, a cousin. There. <laughs> I've got a I've got a friend that works at the Eden Center. Let's go. So um but I just remember like not understanding and feeling such a culture shock. And it was a very different experience. And I can just imagine it must have been a huge culture shock for you. Yeah. Right? I mean, we came in July and I'm like, ooh, ang lamig. Like, <laughs> Like, what the it's hell was cold. I thinking? It's like, it's July. That's how much I had to, like, acclimatize. Is that the right word? Acclimatize? Oh, yeah, whatever. And then, yeah, so I'm like, <laughs> to adjust, you know, I just remember feeling like coming out of Pearson Airport. I'm like, it's cold and it's July. Can I just say, on the coldest day of the year, right, I typically call up my mom and I said, Mom, like, why with such a sub, like a tropical disposition, are we in a subarctic climate? <laughs> and she always, and you know, we have this shtick, right? We have this kind of like back and forth banter on those days. And she says to me, Anak, we would rather ch take a chilly physical environment over a chilly social environment any Ooh. day of the week. I know. Oh, I know, and my mom does listen to this podcast, so she's going to hear that, oh, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's an audio monopole. <laughs> you got me on You're that such one. a kuya. I, mean, <laughs> totally, I totally am a kuya. So, yeah, I, I, just, I just think to myself that, um, you know, the shock, even the temperature, you know, and I just think, I was just thinking about RJ kind of passing through Winnipeg, right? <laughs> and through Saskatchewan, right? <laughs> and, and at the same time thinking to himself like, wow, like there's no other brown folk around here like during the 90s. And I know that that's how I felt the minute I left the GTA. It was mm -hmm. like, where am I? Like, is this still Canada? This is still Canada, right? And so I, I think for me, when I think about the 90s, in addition to everything that we've talked about, I think to myself, like, you can't pinpoint just one genre of music, mm -hmm. right? Like, there's R&B. Like, you know, I think of, like, the golden age of R&B, I think, is still in the 90s, as far mm -hmm. as I'm concerned. I know other people would probably think differently about that. You know, uh, you know, grunge was at its height. You know, uh, Spice Girls towards the end, and that, like, sophisticated pop That's started right. to come out towards the end of the 90s. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, mm -bop. it's an evolution. Mbop. That's right. Hanson. 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 Yes. Hanson. And I, I think to myself, the 90s for me was about diversity too, 
right? Diversity in style. And that's what singularly defines it for me. Mm-hmm. Six, what about you? What, how, do you how do you think about the 90s? I sort of mimic you with that. It was such a evolution, right? Evolution ourselves. We're growing as teenagers and becoming adults by number, but just trying to navigate becoming going into adults or turning 20. And I, I think of like Nirvana at the beginning and then the middle, I think of Notorious B.I.G. Rest in Peace. And then mm-hmm. I think of Spice Girls in 98, 99. Yeah. And it's just such a comment because it's not just that one moment and you captured all those musical points sitting in the audience before. I'm like, if you saw me bopping my big bald head, everyone was sitting behind me. I'm so sorry. You were probably like, <laughs> why is that glare from that guy in front of us? And I'm just like bopping to the music. And I was yeah. like, I felt like I was at the knack at Western sure. or I was at the ride out or slide out getting ready to get on my speaker to dance. It was great. <laughs> These are all, all old bars in London, Ontario. Exactly. <laughs> I am totally aging myself. I'm so sorry, Tana. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thank you, Nina and MB for coming on our podcast. Uh, I can't wait to see it again. Right. And in fact, I was thinking to myself, I can't wait to bring my nieces and nephew to this. Right. Cause I think, in as much as this was a love story, of, you know, of two teenagers in the 90s, right? I think it's timeless in some ways, you know, and I can't help but think, oh, my God, I can't, I can't wait to see this remounted in, in two years' time, in five years' time, in however many years' time, because I think this enters the Canadian canon, right, as far as I'm yep. concerned. So Absolutely. Yeah, don't that, you think, don't yo, you think, Nina? Oh, my God. Yes, it is. And it is so incredibly, and here's, here's. The other hat that I'm wearing, it is, it, you know, I am a big advocate for um, really, um, you know, championing work that, that you know, like there's so many ways to tell the Brown story. And so for me to be able to, you know, this is this is special because we actually only have very few comedies, mm-hmm. in, you know, never mind, you know, the Filipino-Canadian, you know, dramatic canon, but just, you know, in terms of um, brown work, as we, as we call it. And, and so MB writing, you know, even starting with Prairie Nurse and now The Waltz, it's like, whatever I can do <laughs> to kind of keep nurturing this genius. Please, um, please. Because yes. we, we, we need that voice. We need those kinds of stories. And, I agree. you know, there, there's a place for it and there's a special place for it. And comedy is hard. It's a hard genre to work in. You know, it is, it is absolutely, you know, tackling a very serious subject in a funny way. Mm-hmm. And it takes craft and, and cleverness and smarts and, you know, and yeah, now we, we get to have this. This is ours, you know, like mm. MB has given us um, an amazing gift. You know, for, for, for years to come, for the next generation to pick up. I yeah, think that deserves yeah, a round of applause. Prairie verse. So thank you. Thank you. Sigs, help them take us out. Guys. Right? Oh, and I was just going to say, like, our, we usually have a fixing of the week, right? You know, because Hollow Hollows have different fixings, right? And I think this fixing needs to be, you all need to see Prairie Nurse. Or sorry, you all need to see the waltz and Prairie, Prairie nurse, nurse. But you need to see the waltz, <laughs> right? You absolutely need to see the waltz. Right? Go to Factory Theater. .ca to get your tickets. It's playing till November 13th. November 13th. MB, Nina, can you give us your socials? We'll put it in the comments of our, our things. People to follow oh. you know more about you. Go ahead. I'm at Mighty Beef. <laughs> not lisping, not lisping. Yeah. <laughs> it's Beth like death. That's so right. Mighty Beth. Yeah, and I'm at Nininsky, N-I-N-I-N-S-K-Y, uh, Instagram or Facebook, or Twitter, <laughs> yes, those things. We'll log, we'll log it in. We'll log it in. Thank you, audience, for listening to the season five premiere of the Hello Podcast.
The Howl Howl Podcast is available where you can get all podcasts, Apple, Spotify. You can find us. You can email us at howlhowlpopculture at gmail.com. Email us. We love mail. And maybe we can have you come on. We're on Insta at Howl Pop Culture and at Twitter at Howl Pop. And finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian, who's Woo! sitting right next to me. Right here. Our musical theme is by Chel Turingen, and we'll see you all in a couple of weeks. See you guys soon. Say bye, guys. Say bye. Say goodbye. Say goodbye. Bye. Say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.